You are listening to or watching the Style and Stewardship Podcast. This is episode 80. So I am super excited about this because it's episode 80 and I cannot wait to dig into this topic. So I'm always saying, you know, send in your questions. If you've never been here before, my name is Cher and I am a certified holistic nutritionist. I'm really passionate about just empowering people to become their own health and wellness advocate. I look at mostly nutrition but we also talk about faith on this podcast i am a christ follower and i think that it is super important that we recognize that everything that god has given us he has given us to steward and that is what this channel is all about so style and stewardship it is how we manage our lifestyles in a way that honors and glorifies god so when it comes to nutrition it is no different because what we are putting in our bodies are there it's a direct <laughs> effect and correlation as far as how we're going to show up in the world and how we're going to manage all the different things that God has given us to manage. So the question that came in was, can you talk about foods that cause inflammation, foods that reduce inflammation, and how inflammation affects our overall lives? So thank you for sending in that question. This question is multi-layered because it is such a deep, deep topic, but I'm going to do my best to cover it in the most succinct way while answering the question in the different layers that really it requires me to do so, just so you understand that there's not a one-size-fits-all and we can't just cherry-pick and throw certain foods at certain conditions and think that that's just going to poof you know perfect our health perfect our wellness so I'm just gonna dig right in let's first talk about what inflammation is so we've all experienced inflammation I'm looking down at my laptop by the way but inflammation is the body's natural response to injury infection irritation or toxins so it involves the activation of our immune system leading to increased blood flow, swelling, and the release of immune cells and chemicals to an affected area. So the purpose of inflammation is to isolate, control, and to also eliminate harmful agents, as well as initiate the healing and repair process. And then, you know, inflammation is one of those things where we have all felt it. You know, if you've watched the histamine episode that I did, I'll link it or I'll put it in the cards above. That is one of the, that's a histamine response is your immune system literally mounting this response to mitigate um, a, a, a sting or a bug bite or any sort of irritant or um, sort of injury that's happened to the skin or that, um, you know, if we breathe in some, if we have hay fever and we breathe in, you know, a bunch of just ragweed or whatever it is that we may have issues with, our body's going to have a histamine response, which is an immune response, which is a type of inflammation. So I just wanted to give that backstory real quick, just so we're all on the same page as far as what inflammation even is. So that's an acute inflammation. That's something that happens because, you know, you got bitten by something. So that is what um, inflammation in the sense of a histamine reaction looks like and how our immune system is trying to just mitigate that attack. Um, so the answer to what foods cause inflammation may or may not shock you. Um, and if you are new to this podcast, I'm always harping on reading our, our nutrition, not, not our nutrition facts, but reading our ingredient labels. Not that the nutrition facts aren't important, but what's in our food is way more important than what, you know, 
a chemist has said this is how many you know different um, nutrients or whatever's in this um, certain food or this packaged food or food like item I should say but whenever we're talking about food like items which I talk about a lot as well highly processed foods those are going to be the ones that are going to cause us to have the greatest degree of inflammation and a lot of us we don't think about this much um, especially if you've grown up in, in the time that I've grown up, if you're much older, you probably remember a time where there wasn't maybe a fast food restaurant as plentiful as they are now. And our, just the way that we did things back in the day, or I should say, just the way that things were done, you know, a hundred years ago or so are very, very different than how they are done now because we have, you know, as far as the industrial revolution, we have so innovated in so many different areas that many times we've done that to our detriment because we are getting further and further away from what actual real food is. And because of that, we're getting further and further away from the benefits of what that real food can do in our bodies because that food was created by God, right? Um, or the materials to, to make that food were created by God for this body that he created to need those things. And I'm always saying that, um, but I think that it's really important that we understand how inflammation works so that we can make better choices when it comes to what we are ingesting in our bodies. You know, I also talk about what we're putting on our skin dermally, you know, that's one of our biggest organs and we are just putting things on our skin that get, they get directly into our bloodstreams. So there's so many different things that we can talk about when it comes to that. But I did want to talk about the specific things in those packaged foods and why they're a problem before I move on to um, how we can mitigate that, how we can eat certain foods that can help that. And I'll get into that in a moment. So for example, let's just talk about just the toxic compounds that are in our food that wreak havoc and we are exposing ourselves to these things over and over. So that's gonna look like things like chemicals, food dyes, artificial ingredients, artificial flavors, artificial, um, you know, different pesticides that were used on our foods and all these different toxins that we're taking in in our food from the time it's a seed to the time that it gets to our plate or it has gone through so many different steps. Many times it's come over the ocean, you know what I mean? It's come from other places and those nutrients can be degraded by the time that they get to us. But what we wanted to talk about right now was how inflammation shows up when we eat and how that happens. So I did want to talk about something that we are all super, super exposed to. And I think that it's really, really important that we not just focus on what, but the how. And what I mean by that is the foods, that's the what, but the how is really, really important too. So particular foods that um, overexert that inflammatory response cause chronic issues within our bodies. And we can't ignore the how of our food production when it comes to why we're having th this impact on our immune system. So let's talk about the foods that cause inflammation. So that's going to be not one particular food because it's just not that easy um, and, and it's just not that simple. Our bodies are so much more complex than that. But we're talking about, I wanna talk about things that affect all of us just so that we're on the same page. Excess sugar, why? Because that causes a blood sugar spike and fall and that in and itself will cause an inflammation and inflammatory response in our body, all over our body. Um, foods that are manipulated 
to excess degree and they concentrate certain ingredients that would never naturally be found like never be found in nature so you will not walk outside and be able to drink a cup of orange juice <laughs> or a cup a glass of apple juice off of a tree it doesn't work like that but we will take this whole food that also contains its antioxidants and its fiber and its skin and all these things that are bound up together and work synergistically but when we break those things apart or when we concentrate certain molecules specifically the molecule of fructose and it, all of these things that turn into glucose in the bloodstream what we're doing is we're concentrating something that was good and we're turning it into something that becomes a stressor on the body and stress causes an inflammatory response it just depends on what part of the body that stress and that inflammation is going to show up in so that may show up in our stomach our gastrointestinal tract that might show up in you know sinus pressure ask me how i know <laughs> that may show up in you know different things that you know our skin like eczema that's also an inflammatory response and condition but these excess carbohydrates they fall into this category of excess sugar as well. So any of these things that are super processed, that are super high in carbohydrates, especially the ones that are simple, that will break down on your tongue and your body doesn't really even have to do anything else, but shuffle it right into your bloodstream and cause that insulin spike. And insulin resistance is something that we all need to be aware of, but we'll talk about that in another episode. So high fructose corn syrup, another thing we're not just going to find in nature. This was a man-made, <laughs> manipulated sugar bomb, right? And it serves several purposes as far as um, preservatives. Sometimes it is used to um, change the texture of things. And obviously we're, they're making it highly palatable because the things that taste best on the tongue are things that are sweet and things that are salty and things that are savory so all of these things um, that are man-made and we're talking about the chemicals the pesticides the fertilizers and the gmos the genetically mod, mod <laughs> i can't even say it right now the genetically modified organisms that were created so that these certain you know plants can um, withstand being sprayed these horrific fertilizers where a lot of them were you know used for a you know at a time of you know battle next up we can't we can't not talk about PUFAs um polyunsaturated fatty acids so our bodies need omega-3s omega-3s we hear about that all the time that's going to be your um your DHA and your EPA and PUFAs those are going to be your omega-6 fatty acids and I want to tell you about those for a minute because they are in everything if you've watched anyone that's in the health sphere you've probably heard the word PUFA before if you haven't I'm gonna just tell you quickly what that is how it works in our bodies our bodies actually need um, PUFAs but we need them to be in balance with omega-3s which is going to be your DHA and your EPA um, so omega-6 fatty acids so these are essential to our bodies our body does need this and anytime we see the word essential it just means that our body can't make it on its own so our bodies need omega-3 omega-6 and omega-9 so nine our bodies can actually create but omega-3s and 6 we need those are essential and we need to get them from our diet so these the omega-6s 
are essential for the body, but excessive consumption of, of omega-6 fatty acids relative to omega-3s can lead to an imbalance in potential health issues. The primary omega-6 fatty acid is linoleic acid, LA, and that's found in various vegetable oils. I say vegetable oils, which is kind of a misnomer because... Um, seeds are not vegetables and these seeds don't grow up to be vegetables so anything that's like quote-unquote plant-based right now we're calling it a vegetable if it grew out of, out of the ground but that's not what i consider a vegetable but anyways so corn oil sunflower oil soybean oil our bodies actually need um la but really when we talk about what poof is doing in the body, it's going to make it's, it's just a little clearer. Um, and I know it became clearer to me. So if we're going to maintain optimal health and our inflammatory response, and we're going to keep that in balance. So if we have more omega-6 than we have omega-3s, we're going to throw that balance off. And balance... Uh, a dysregulation or dysfunction in the body an imbalance of the body is what typically leads to us having symptoms like inflammation and but the balance of this we have to have this for for optimal health because they play vital roles in various physiological processes including inflammation regulation cardiovascular health and brain function so why like what do we need to consider when we're trying to like lessen inflammation? Okay, we know what causes inflammation. Why, you know, is it important that, you know, we're watching what we're eating and we're watching how um, the things that we were eating were created? Okay, so what do we need to consider when we're trying to lower or lessen the inflammation or the inflammatory response in our bodies? And we're talking about the bad type of inflammation because inflammation is actually an immune response and it's a good thing. Our immune system wants to protect us and wants to keep us healthy, wants to keep us safe. So the source of the food, how it's raised, harvested, grown, stored, and prepared all matter. So we can take something that is, you know, totally fine and we can actually degrade um, the, the, the molecule, the molecular structure of this thing, which we'll talk about PUFAs um, in a little bit. And that will directly affect how our body actually uses that thing that could have been good until <laughs> we made it not so good. Just like we were talking about the apple juice. I'm not like picking on you if you drink apple juice, but it is concentrated fructose, it's concentrated sugar, and it wouldn't be found in nature. So a lot of times our body is not really going to handle things <laughs> very well when we are kind of remixing things and we're turning it into something that is void of nutrition, but tastes good, you know, and I'm all for eating things that taste good. God gave us taste buds, but I'm saying we need to um, look at the whole picture and look at things in context. And I think that's really, really important important. So our bio-individuality is also going to play a role because what may be inflammatory for one person's system may not be for the next person because of the different things, their own health and wellness state, their own stress response and all of those things. So their current, current health status and the state and the location of the inflammation is going to determine if certain other ingredients and foods may be inflammatory for you. So let me use this as an example. As one food that may work for you, it may not work for someone else because of inflammation and because of their response, but this food in and of itself isn't unhealthy. 
So let's take peanuts for example. We have so many schools right now that are peanut free. The peanut allergy is at an all time high and so many kids can't be around any peanuts or any sort of nut whatsoever. So peanuts have actually, actually have some benefits to them. But just as we talked about before, the way that they're harvested and grown and prepared and the person's bio-individuality, how their body is going to interpret that, that food that comes in. Food is like information almost. How's their body and what's going on in, on their cellular level going to be impacted by this food that they're taking in? So um, if we're looking at what's healthy and what's not healthy, what's inflammatory and what's not inflammatory, we have to take the person into context and we can't just say this food is inflammatory or that food's inflammatory because it may not be for someone else. So if someone is allergic to peanuts, for example, and you give them a peanut, <laughs> would you say that this food is inflammatory? For that person, absolutely. But would I say that Peanuts are inflammatory for all people, no. And there are different things that we need to consider. So I was talking about how it's harvested, how it's planted, um, all of those things matter. So peanuts, most peanuts are grown underground, under soil. Depending on the condition of that soil, when the peanuts were harvested and in what condition were they stored is going to have a major impact. Peanuts can, anything that's in a dark, damp place, is prone to mycotoxin buildup and therefore different fungi and um, different molds. So someone may not have a peanut allergy, but because of the way that that peanut was grown, harvested, what have you, now all of a the sudden they have a horrible, almost God forbid, anaphylactic shock, which is a life-threatening acute inflammatory response because they're allergic to the mold on that peanut because of the way that it was processed and handled. So we have to consider these things when we're talking about what's inflammatory and what's not. Um, personally, I can't really do peanuts, not because I have an allergy to them, but because of the mold and I have a mold allergy. But um, there are certain peanuts that I can eat. So when I share like Costco hauls on this on this channel, I share um, their peanut butter and their um, organic peanut butter because they're made with Valencia peanuts, which typically are grown above ground. So that's just a little tip if you have issues. Anyways, if you have a peanut allergy, stay away, run far, far, far away. Um, but the peanut in and of itself isn't necessarily bad and it does have nutrition benefits to it. So I don't want to stop there because I want to drive this point home that we have to answer these. Uh, we have to ask certain questions first. And and most of the time, the answer is going to be it depends because of our bio our bio individuality, our uniqueness, and also um, how it got to us, who planted it, who harvested it, who um, doused it with chemicals and all of those things really, really matter. And they're going to change the molecular, um, the cellular response our body's gonna have. So that may not be the most simplistic answer. Um, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm fleshing this thing out because um, I feel like I have to cover that before I can answer that question directly because of the different layers of it. So we also have predispositions to things 
um, our lifestyles have to be considered. Um, so there's not a blanket answer, as I said about peanuts. Let's use one more for an example. Um, let's see milk. <laughs> milk is another consideration that evokes similar like questions and to, to peanuts because how an animal was raised will have the biggest impact on the effect the milk will have in our system, in your system, in everyone's system, right? Because one person may be allergic to milk. Some people may just have issues digesting milk. And because of that, it causes inflammation in the stomach. And that can look like someone who's lactose intolerant, which means that they lack the enzyme to break down the sugar that's naturally found in milk called lactose. Since they don't have lactase, that enzyme, they're lactose intolerant. They can't tolerate this particular um, part of the milk. And because of this, they're going to experience that inflammation or they may experience other allergic-like responses because the immune system is saying, whoa, 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 this isn't going to work for us. What can we do um, to protect the rest of the body? Let's send some inflammation to this um, part of the body so that it can heal and so that we can protect it. Our bodies literally want to protect us. So since the immune system lies right outside of our intestinal wall, this may cause allergens to get into other parts of the body and cause this response where a bunch of antibodies get sent out, which will cause this, ca this a cascade of events when it comes to inflammation. And the person might have, you might have a really, really hard time. I may have a really, really hard time if I've ingested something that my body doesn't have the enzyme to break down. So some people can't um, digest the casein protein in milk products. Some people have an issue with the whey um, protein in products. And there can be a myriad of issues that someone may have with dairy, but dairy in and of itself, I can't sit here and tell you it's inflammatory for everyone because it has a lot of vitamins that the body actually needs. So it's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Dairy does not work for everyone. I know this to be true. Ask me how I know. Um, at the same time, finding out why that is is really important and understanding that just because you can't eat something in one season doesn't mean that you won't be able to get there if certain things in your body get healed. So it may be that you have chronic inflammation somewhere. I don't know. So that's kind of what we're getting at with all of this. It's bio-individual. Obviously, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an allergist. I'm not an immunologist. Go to your doctor and your medical professional. I am not trying to treat, diagnose, or cure any sort of medical um, issue. Disclaimer. Okay. <laughs> so the other thing that we have to consider, like I was saying before, is how was that animal raised? How was that animal um, fed? All of these things are really, really important. So if the cow was raised in a manner that is contrary to its design and its natural food, <laughs> its natural diet, you're, we may experience inflammation due to the high concentration of omega-6 PUFAs in that animal since factory farmed animals are given corn. And many are also given other chemicals in their feed that are inflammatory to the animal and to us. And we are what we eat, right? And we're, we are what we eat ate. So if they had a poor diet, 
we are taking those things in. So there is acute inflammation and there is chronic inflammation. Acute means it's something that happens suddenly, your body usually recuperates and gets over it. And something that is chronic is long lasting, it's ongoing, it is an unresolved issue. What we do know is that chronic inflammation has been called, called the underlying common cause or catalyst of other disease processes. For example, conditions like MS, which would be multiple sclerosis, lupus, type two diabetes, um, IBD, which is inflammatory bowel disease, and autoimmune diseases are just a few of those um, diseases and conditions that inflammation is the hallmark of them, right? Um, inflammatory bowel disease, like it's literally in the name. So inflammation can, it can happen in different places in our bodies. And that's the important thing to keep in mind when so that question i couldn't give a vague answer because it really depends on the person so we should absolutely care about inflammation because it's behind so many inflammatory conditions like inflammation that continues to go on and on can actually send the body so out of whack that an immune um, response just starts turning on your own body which is what autoimmune diseases are um, the body can't recognize what's outside and what's an invader. So it just starts and what's not, what's self. So it can't um, distinguish between self and some outside um, inflammation or, or attack. So it starts attacking different parts of the body. So um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that is literally an inflama inflammatory um state where the body starts attacking its own thyroid gland. That's just one of the examples. So when we're eating, so for all of us, food-like products and highly processed foods hurt us over time. And if our consumption is chronic, our inflammatory response will follow suit. When we fry foods in temperatures that are super high with oils, that are toxic and have toxic chemicals in them like hexane and petroleum-based solvents to extract the oil from these seeds. They're also bleached. And then since they smell so bad because they've gone rancid and these poofas have spoiled and have oxidized, they put deodorizers on top of those so that when they're frying our french fries, which french fries are one of my favorite foods, um, they're frying these foods and not just that, they're frying them over and over. So when we go to, you're not getting a fresh like batch of, of fries and fresh like grease or oil. <laughs> like You are getting something that, that I used to work in a restaurant. That restaurant literally uses for a week, some of them even longer. So we're talking about um, seed oils like canola, safflower, sunflower seed, um, canola, which can also be called rapeseed or it's a cousin of rapeseed or whatever. It's, it's, it's used in almost everything. It is, you will be hard pressed to find a boxed product, a bag of chips, uh, a jar of pasta sauce that does not have some sort of canola oil, 
corn oil um, chips that have sunflower. A lot of times you'll read a bag and it'll say may contain sunflower, safflower, or corn because they're like, we don't know which batch this was. So we're just gonna say you're gonna be, you're, you're possibly exposed to all these different oils. I'm going to share um, a video um, about how canola oil is made because it's very disturbing and I'm not making this stuff up. Like this is how it's created. Okay, so what's the big deal about, you know, heating up vegetable or I should say seed oils? So the issue is these oils aren't meant to be heated. That's first. That's the first part. Oxidation occurs when heat is applied to these oils and they are already rancid, like I said, before they go through their deodorizing bleaching process. So then they're repeatedly heated every time we go through a fast food place and we order something. So this heat causes a type of lipid, which is another word for fat, lipid oxidation. And oxidation is a negative result of oxygen expose, exposure. And if you want a mental picture of this, this would be rust on something. So that is this, you know, metal or whatever it was gets rust on it. And that is literally a picture of oxidation. And the same thing happens inside of us. So when we are eating things, and trust me, this is not anything to scare you. I am not gonna sit here and tell you I don't eat french fries because I do. Um, I try to do them in the air fryer. And you know, maybe once a week, I'll eat some fast food or something like that. So I'm not telling you don't live your life. Okay, don't hear me say that. I didn't say that. But I do want to give you the information so that you can make the most informed choice. And then when you are wondering, you know, why am I feeling bad? You have this information to go off and say, you know what, I've been eating a lot of fast food, or you know what, I've been eating a lot of sugar, or I've been eating a whole lot of processed foods. And I'm wondering why I feel lethargic and I have brain fog and I feel bad and I feel like my body's swollen. We'll get into that in a minute, but you see where I'm going with all that. So let's talk a little bit more about this. So fatty acids, PUFAs, um, these polyunsaturated fatty acids are healthy fats that are found in foods, right? So they're found in fish and nuts um, and they undergo this oxidation because of their, their, you know, reacting to the oxygen in the air. But I want you to keep this in mind. Our bodies are very oxygenated vessels. Right, so when it goes into our bodies, we can ex we can expect that that rust situation is happening. Um, but there are foods that we can eat to help mitigate that. So the reaction, so this oxidation, can lead to the formation of harmful substances called free radicals. And if you have ever heard of free radicals, I don't think that this is your first time hearing about what a free radical is. But these free radicals can damage cells and may contribute to various health issues if their levels become too high. So to prevent this, it's essential to store those PUFAs properly, such as in airtight containers and away from heat and light. So we're saying away from heat and light, but we're frying stuff and deep frying stuff. So let's just keep that in mind. And you know, to consume them as part of a balanced diet that includes something that can actually help mitigate these free radicals and that because it causes oxidative stress. So what do we need to eat? We need to eat foods that have antioxidants. Just like when we were talking about, um, when I was talking in the histamine episode, 
we use antihistamines, right? So we need to do something anti just means against. So we need to eat and consume foods that have antioxidants, which help to neutralize these free radicals, that substance that's built from this oxidative damage and stress from improperly cooked, stored, um, or, you know, just altered foods that naturally would be healthy, but we've changed them. Like I was talking about earlier in the episode, we've changed them so much that now, you know, we're like, why do we feel so bad? It's like, well, well what are we doing that we weren't doing a hundred years ago? And yes, it's great to have innovation, but we also have to use discernment in that. And we also have to look at what we're eating, how it's affecting us, and we cannot assume that it's not, right? So it's not just foods that cause inflammation. How these foods are produced and altered as we spoke about before, this is not an all-inclusive list, but we know the things, <laughs> or many times I think that we know the things, but I'm going to share it anyways. Things like trail mix, things like drink mixes, it's like box macaroni and cheese, box mashed potatoes, anything that's been genetically modified or altered, breakfast cereals, anything that contains artificial preservatives or ones that are petroleum based like BHT and BHA, like never make it inside my house because those are very, very toxic to our bodies, very inflammatory to our bodies. So things that are super high in sugar that are concentrated forms of sugar, that's gonna be things like apple juice, that's gonna be things like your little packet that you add like a half a bag of sugar to, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Frozen pizzas, most of our chicken nuggets, hot dogs, deli meats, crackers, cookies, bakery items. Most of the, com the commercially made breads that we'll see in our stores, canned sausages, um, anything that has hydrogenated vegetable oil. So that's vegetable oil that's had a carbon bond added to it and, and to stabilize it, to make it last longer, which it's just trying to mimic saturated fat, which is not bad for you. We'll talk about that in another episode. So anything with cottonseed oil, cottonseed oil has been shown to actually be, I'm not going to talk about that on this podcast, but cottonseed oil is pretty, pretty bad, especially for men. And I'll say that with MSG, because it's an excitotoxin, it's not a natural like flavor profile we're just trying to like hit the the we're, we're hitting the the sensory button so hard that we're causing like excitotoxins in the brain food dyes chemical preservatives like most of our fast food items because processed is processed whether you found it on a grocery store shelf in a box or can in the freezer section or if you got it through a drive-thru so there's too many things to list, but I always wanna encourage you to read your ingredient label, eat real whole, real food as much as you possibly can. So before we move on to foods that reduce inflammation, let's quickly touch on some other factors that cause inflammation because it's not just food that causes inflammation. So the first thing that comes to mind is a vitamin D deficiency just so you have it in the back of your mind, gut inflammation and infections, microbiome issues, constipation, lack of sleep, medications, mineral imbalances, blood sugar dysregulation, stress, over-exercising, and doing work workouts that are too strenuous. So that also is not all inclusive, but those are things that sometimes we don't think about that actually cause inflammation in the body and cause an inflammatory response. So 
several like nutrient de deficiencies can actually contribute to chronic inflammation. Some of the key nutrients that play a role in inflammation regulation and may cause inflammation if deficient in are omega-3 fatty acids, just like we were talking about, about before. We need to balance the omega-3s to the omega-6s. So if those, if we are having more um, omega-6s, then we're having omega-3s, those, that inflammatory response can be out of balance. So a deficiency in these essential fatty acids, particularly EPA and DHA, may lead to that imbalance of pro-inflammatory and anti-inflammatory processes. So it just throws things out of whack. How can we get um, omega-3s? We get that from fatty fish. I love wild-caught sockeye salmon. Again, how things are sourced are also going to um, affect your that anti-inflammatory response so it doesn't do a ton of good for us to eat farm factory farmed fish products to mitigate the PUFAs because a lot of times these fish are being fed the PUFAs and they're things that they would not naturally eat in their vitamin D as we spoke about before that's important for our immune function that can modulate inflammation and a deficiency in vitamin D has been associated with an increased risk of chronic inflammation. What are some food sources of vitamin D? So vitamin D is a unique nutrient because the body can produce it whenever the skin is exposed to sunlight. However, it can be obtained from food and things like that. Some of the best food sources of vitamin D are gonna be your fatty fish. That's gonna show up as so many on so many different lists but cod liver oil, egg yolks, which I'm always, always telling people, don't throw out the egg yolks. It is literally the healthiest part of the egg. Yes, the egg white has low calorie and high protein, but trust me when I say our bodies need the egg yolk, not just for vitamin D, but for choline. Beef liver, it provides vitamin D along with so many other essential nutrients. I have taken beef liver in um, pill form and growing up, see, traditional. My mom used to force us to eat it with sauteed onions and none of us wanted to eat it. And now I know that my mom was right. <laughs> my great grandmother was right, they were right. Cheese, that's gonna be some of your cheeses like Swish, um, cheese and cheddar cheese and mushrooms that have been grown and exposed to ultraviolet light have a lot of vitamin D. So, I mean, I think it's just incredible that God has given us all the things that we need for our bodies to just to be well. So I want to encourage you to look into these things, eating whole real food, because as you can see, eating real food is so, so important. Doing a food first approach to my wellness. And I think that that is one of the best ways to go because the body understands food because God created food, understands food a lot better than it does pretty much any other man-made thing. Because I mean, we can't outsmart God, right? Like he created these things for us to, to be nourished by. So I think it's a really important that we um, honor that. So if you are someone who knows that they are deficient in vitamin D, we can't just talk about food without saying that if we're deficient in this, our body's not really, our body's immune system function is thrown off and the inflammatory response typically is increased, which a lot of people that have vitamin D deficiency may, may struggle with feeling chronically fatigued, they may struggle with gastrointestinal issues as well as 
just feeling just down, run down, lethargic, and they may get sick more often. So how do we mitigate the whole oxida oxidative stress thing? If we're deficient in antioxidants, that is gonna also play a role. So how do we get antioxidants and what are they? So vitamin C, vitamin E, and selenium are examples of antioxidants and they help to neutralize again those free radicals which are reactive molecules that can promote inflammation when present in excessive amounts remember too many omega-6s not having a good good balance a deficiency in antioxidants may lead to oxidative stress and chronic inflammation oxidative stress chronic inflammation like those two things go hand in hand because one's a response the body's response to the other magnesium I take magnesium every single day without fail and I have been supplementing that a specific um, type. Don't just go out and get magnesium citrate because it'll make you run to the restroom. But um, don't just run out and get magnesium citrate and because it'll just make you run to the restroom unless you know you need, I don't know. Um, but magnesium is super, super important because it's involved in hundreds of biological, biochemical reactions in the body, including those related to inflammation regulation. So a deficiency in magnesium may contribute to increased inflammation. So you see where I'm going with all this. Zinc is another one. It's essential for our immune system function and it helps regulate inflammatory responses a deficiency in zinc can impair the body's ability to control inflammation then our b vitamins b6 b9 folate and vitamin b um, b12 these are they play such a role in our our metabolic processes including those related to inflammation deficiencies in b vitamins can contribute to whole body inflammation so it's important to note that chronic inflammation is this complex condition it has various contributing factors it's, it includes our diet our lifestyle right holistic our entire lifestyle and our overall health status so while we're addressing nutrient deficiencies and that's crucial maintaining a well-balanced diet and a healthy life lifestyle um, and making sure that if we have nutrient deficiencies that we are approaching that from this lens of is the body getting what it needs and am I getting it in the form that my body can understand? So if we're eating foods that are man-made, highly processed, there's no guarantee that our body even understands what to do with those things. A lot of synthetic um, you know, things in our food and, and our body is, I mean, God made our bodies, oh my gosh, so amazing and, and miraculously and I truly believe that when we focus on just food for food's sake, we might miss it because we also have to look at the fact that our body is a living organism. It's not this stagnant, if I just put eat these this many calories, I'm healthy, or if I just eat a salad, I'm healthy. There's so many things that go into living well and being well, and I think that it's really important that we don't miss out on that. But I wanna to talk to you some more about some of the foods that are absolutely amazing um, for anti-inflammatory effects, and olives are absolutely amazing. We talked about pufas, and olives are, and olive oil are a type of mufa, which is monounsaturated fatty acids, and these are, 
also ones that we don't want to heat you know we don't want to fry things in olive oil and if we do we don't want to do we maybe a little pan sear maybe a little saute with it but we don't want to cook this at high high temperatures for the same reason why we didn't want to do that with the poofas because this is a more fragile molecule and when we're doing things like cooking and we're cooking with high heat the best oils to use are going to be the ones that are saturated even though for years and years and years that was said that that was you know what caused all the the, the health concerns in america when actually that's what people have been using for hundreds upon hundreds of years unsaturated um fats like our the ones that are low cholesterol and all of those things are a very, very new invention. And when I say invention, it was man-made and man-manipulated and we got further away from the things that we traditionally ate. Some anti-inflammatory properties that have been used for traditional medicine to alleviate inflammation and related symptoms. So several herbs have anti-inflammatory properties that have been used for years upon years hundreds of years and number one is going to actually be a root that can also be used as a spice and it is amazing ever read anything about ayurvedic medicine turmeric is an amazing amazing root so it contains an active component called curcumin and it is a potent anti-inflammatory compound with various health benefits it is said and it has been used in clinical trial studies for cancer patients it has been used for people who have rheumatoid arthritis and so many other inflammatory conditions and it is pretty well tolerated by most people again i'm not a doctor ask your doctor about that this is a food you can go to the gr your grocery store and find it as a root right next to your ginger it has a darker orange color and it has more of a it's kind of hard to describe the flavor of it but it's typically used and traditionally used in teas and curries i actually drink a turmeric tea i actually put this when i make curries or i will sprinkle it just in some of my soup which is one of my favorite ways to do it you can add black pepper the pepperine or pepperine um, the active um, ingredient in black pepper actually helps your body to absorb this curcumin ginger we just spoke about turmeric can't not talk about um ginger it contains bioactive compounds like gingerol which have anti-inflammatory effects all over the body but i absolutely absolutely love to have this in the house for times where i have a stomach ache i will literally just take a back of a spoon scratch off the outside of the um the ginger root and i will just grate some in the bottom of a cup i'll pour hot um, water on it excuse me i will let it steep for 10 to 20 minutes and boom i also add ginger to soup you can add it to flavored water and you're getting so many benefits rosemary is another one so this is known at this is known to possess anti-inflammatory compounds and the main compound in rosemary rosmarinic acid and this is a compound anti-inflammatory and antioxidant effects so we want to oxidative stress but we also want to calm down inflammation rosemary actually does both so does turmeric and ginger green tea so green tea contains polyphenols including e g c g i'm not going to say the whole word because i always butcher it which has anti-inflammatory properties it's also been used in cancer studies and clinical trials again green tea has been used for centuries actually in um, traditional chinese medicine tcm 
holy basil also known as tulsi i drink this in a tea it is amazing and it contains compounds like eugenol that have anti-inflammatory properties so very very similar to ginger cayenne pepper if you do not have histamine intolerance like i do it contains capsaicin and that also has a pain relieving effect cinnamon is another one that it contains antioxidants and anti-inflammatory compounds licorice anti-inflammatory oregano contains compounds like carbacrol and thymol which have anti-inflammatory and antimicrobial properties sage it contains the same acid as our um, rosemary and other compounds that have anti-inflammatory effects chamomile contains flavonoids terpenoids and anti-inflammatory calming properties the list goes on and on with the herbs it's so great to take these and just cook with them i love i'll go into the store and like especially around the summer when they're selling the organic rose potted rosemary they're usually three or four bucks i'll buy one of those and by the time summer's over i usually used all of it and i'll put it in soup i will rosemary tea is actually pretty good um as well you can put it in soup you can put it in eggs you can put it in a salad I put it's great with roasted potatoes so there's so many different ways that we can add these um, anti-inflammatory antimicrobial antioxidant foods into our meals and things like that a couple more and then I think that we've got a really really good list and that is going to be things like blueberries blueberries are absolutely amazing olives that we spoke about before avocados things that have vitamin E in them like avocados. Nuts and seeds actually are pretty healthy when we're not adding a lot of heat to these. And I've actually had to cut back on some of the things that I use to bake with that are grain free because I don't want to continuously degrade and cause this oxidative stress and issue with the foods that I'm cooking. So our anti-inflammatory foods are gonna look like fatty fish so that's going to be wild caught salmon mackerel sardines trout these are all rich in omega-3s which have that potent anti-inflammatory um, effect and will balance those omega-6s berries like blueberries strawberries raspberries blackberries because they're packed with antioxidants and polyphenols these are all things that are combative against inflammation leafy green vegetables that's going to be spinach and kale and collard greens and swiss chard all rich in vitamins and minerals antioxidants and anti-inflammatory extra virgin olive oil and olives because that's such a great source of that that mufa that monounsaturated fatty acids and nuts like almonds walnuts pistachios but again we want to be careful that these are not being oxidized and Honestly, buying them raw is probably the best way to go because you know that they haven't been roasted at whatever high temperature. And a lot of our nuts and seeds and things like that that say roasted have just really been deep fried, sometimes in peanut oil, sometimes in canola oil or some other random oil. The next time you go to a store and you turn over the bag, it might say, you know, you might see a thing of, of peanuts and it'll say, cooked in peanut oil or cooked in cottonseed oil. I just saw this recently at the store. Cashews. 
these are all that all nuts that I like to get raw if I can and I store them in my fridge. I don't put them in the pantry, don't put them in a cupboard, I don't put them next to the stove. I always put these in the fridge. When I buy things like chia seeds, flax seeds, I actually keep those in my freezer and I buy them whole so I can mill them um, when I want to and I know that, okay, you know, the processing, I did it and it, I don't know how long it's been sitting on that shelf. So tomatoes, rich in lycopene, a powerful antioxidant and anti-inflammatory avocados we mentioned before garlic oh my goodness garlic contains allicin and this is a compound with potent anti-inflammatory benefits it also i mean there's so many i could do a whole episode on garlic because it's that amazing it's like onions dark chocolate because that has flavonoids it has it also contains magnesium and anti-inflammatory properties so i wanted to share all of these things and lastly i'm going to share how inflammation affects our lives okay how does inflammation affect our lives so we spoke a little bit about you know some chronic conditions diseases and things like that where inflammation is actually the biggest issue rheumatoid arthritis that's going to be inflammation of the joints and and things like that but pain inflammation is usually coupled with pain or coupled with discomfort so it's associated with pain and swelling to the affected area but when it's a whole body situation we're talking about achy joints maybe fatigue sleep disturbances a lot of other things this is also very individual of how the inflammation is showing up in your body and what part of your body it's showing up in so chronic health conditions is what inflammation is linked to. We discussed some of that before, it's like rheumatoid arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, certain cardiovascular diseases, um, our energy levels and fatigue, our, um, our mental health. So we talk about mental health a lot and, and that we talk about that when we're talking about wellness and it's a very important topic. But chronic inflammation has been associated with an increased risk of mental health issues such as depression and anxiety. Inflammatory markers can affect brain function and neurotransmitter balance. So your neurotransmitters, that's gonna be your dopamine, and your serotonin levels, those are affected. Cognitive function, so inflammation may infect our cognitive function, leading to difficulties with our memory, with our focus, with our concentration. Skin conditions, inflammatory skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, digestive issues, bloating, gas, diarrhea, you know, all the fun stuff. <laughs> Weight management, chronic inflammation may affect hormones and metabolism, potentially contributing to weight gain or difficulty in losing weight. And just our health in general, you know, the, and our health legacy. I talk about that a lot because I think it's really important, but I don't want you to be, I want you to be educated in this education to empower you. I am on the journey with you. I am learning all the time, researching all the time, trying to figure out what will make me and my family feel our best and really just trying to break just generations of poor health and things like type two diabetes that run in my family, things like heart disease that run in my family and so many other things that I'm sure that you can probably relate to or you know someone who struggles or suffers with something that's chronic and ongoing. And the last place that many people look is their food. The last place that many people look is their lifestyle. And there is no one size fits all diet. There is no perfect way of eating unless that is, but there's a very beneficial way of eating is what I believe. And the food that God created, you know what I mean? 
there are so many things that we have done that have changed the very food that people once enjoyed and the way that we're growing things all of those things have changed and I think that it's time that we get back to that. I spoke about um, regenerative farming just a little bit um, on the last episode, episode 79 of the Style and Stewardship Podcast. But I think it's really, really important that we recognize that there is a correlation between how we're living, the stress that we're under, and all of those things. And if I can encourage you with anything, it is making choices that count and that matter and that impact you in really great ways. Um, I'm probably going to share an episode on just the different foods and things that we can buy that aren't super expensive, but will. how do we source food that's actually good for us? How do we cook food in a way that's beneficial? Um, things like cooking with high heat, uh, oils that can stand high heat, that's going to be saturated fat, that's going to be coconut oil, um, that's going to be avocado oil, things that have a high smoke point, and things that are not from a seed because the very nature of extracting the oil from those seeds is really, really toxic to us. So we're talking about olive oil is a whole fruit oil. Coconut oil is literally the oil from the fatty part of the coconut bees and it's stable. Things that are solid at room temperature are also stable when they're heated. I'm learning a lot. I hope that you learned a lot from this episode. If you have any questions, you can send them in to hello at styleandstewardship.com with the subject line pod question. And if it's something that I can answer, I will absolutely do that. I am not an expert, but I want to encourage you to become an expert in your own health and wellness and to be empowered with this information to make the best decisions for you, for your family, and for the future of your family. And I believe that in order to leave a healthy legacy, we have to first lead a a healthy legacy. And we do that day by day. We do that by God's grace. And we do that not perfectly, but to the best of our ability. That's stewardship, right? So until next time, your life matters. What you do with it matters. So what will you steward well? Peace.